Well, good morning, church. You're going, there's either a guest speaker this morning or Pastor Aaron drastically aged over the last week. <laughs> or both. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it is an honor to be here. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Chris are at a national missions conference this week. Uh, just so you know, there were four pastors in Pennsylvania invited to this national conference, and Aaron and Chris were two of them. So it is an honor to be there. And then, yeah, and then Pastor Aaron asked me the nerve-wracking question of filling in this morning. And those of you who know me know I don't take a whole lot of things seriously, but I take this very seriously. So I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it is an honor to be here. This is, if you weren't here last week, uh, you can tell by the decor, we are officially in the Christmas season and the Advent season. I don't know what your church tradition was growing up for some of us the whole concept of an advent wreath and candles is new. Uh, for some, we grew up in it. I was raised in it. There was definitely part of what we did, but I was a kid. So what I loved about the advent wreath, before I knew what it meant, what it symbolized, what it prepared us for, for me, you know, as a little kid, when December happens and you know it's 25 days till Christmas, for a little kid, that might as well be forever. But it was only four candles away. Right? It was kind of like, okay, we're on candle number two. You know, we're almost getting there. But then as I grew in, in my faith, I learned that it means so much more. So we're going to light, I'm going to light two of the candles. Actually, last week, we lit the candle of hope and the candle that reminds us the hope we have in Christ and the hope that Christmas brings. Uh, the hope that is not based on wish and is not based on anything flimsy. It is based on Jesus. It's based on the coming of our Lord. It is based on what happened that day in Bethlehem. And this morning, I want to light the candle of love. This is the season of love is what we call it, showing us the love that God expressed to us by coming in human form and, um, and sending his son. So let the candle also be a reminder as you go through your week of the hope we have in Christ and the love that God expressed uh, because of Christmas. So it's just an exciting time. But yeah, this is the Christmas season. This is the series that Pastor began last week talking about Behold. We are continuing that today. This year's Advent uh, theme is Behold. And I, as Pastor covered last week, Behold is one of those words in the Bible. I'm going to be preaching out of the New King James. Those of you who know me know that's not my usual translation, but it contains the word behold a lot. Behold is one of those words we don't hear much anymore. No one says that. Like Pastor talked about last week, you know, you don't get your kid's attention and look at them and go, behold, right? You say, look at this, do that, do whatever. It, it, it's one of those words, but it's not a throwaway word in the Bible. It's not one of those words that translators had to put in there to build a bridge between thought or between concepts. It is actually a translated word, and it really, the definition is very simple. It really means to look at it or to call attention to what follows it. You know, those of you who teach, when you have a concept you're about to teach your students, it's not review that it's new that they need to get you. I need you to pay attention to this. Look at this. Focus on this. If you were back in this day of the translators, you would say, behold, right? All right, parents, you would say, behold. You would do nothing but say, behold, to your kids some days, right? Those of you, depending on what it is you do or what your walk of life is or what your circumstance is, it's, but it means that. And, and we see, behold, in the King James Version, it appears, like, I think it's 1,298 times. Or so. like, it's in there a lot. 
you know, worth, it's something worth beholding, I guess, right? And so it's, it's uh, necessary for us to understand, to pay close attention to what we're learning about, what the Bible tells us about Christmas, what the Bible tells us about this season. As we light these candles and as we behold what the Word tells us to behold. Last week, Pastor Aaron talked about behold the king and the necessity of beholding the king where you may see a baby in a manger and we're used to the scenery, we're used to the decorations, but to behold the king. And it's one thing to say, I need a savior, but to acknowledge him as king, the boss, Lord of all, king of kings, and to behold him that way, it's one thing to see him as the baby, another to see him as king. Today, we're going to talk about the next behold. And this one might throw you a little bit. Okay, this week we're talking, if you're taking notes, if you're not a note taker, this would be a good day to start. If you didn't see last week's sermon or you didn't take notes, go back on the church website, stream that thing. You're going to want to see it and take notes on that one. But this week, if you need a title, is Behold the Lamb. Now, this sounds like a Lent sermon or an Easter sermon because that's where we have our things. I have things in order, you know, my, my, my religious order of, of life. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, this is the Advent season. Then we get to the spring, and it becomes the Lent season. And I think we miss some very important things if we separate it like that. And we'll show you in a minute. We see this behold in this morning's text, although you might not recognize it at first. And I'm also going to give you the familiar warning that I generally give myself because God has given it to me that those of you who have been raised in church or in church for a while, this is going to be one of those passages that you've probably heard a lot. So what I want to encourage you to do is not to check out, okay? Because I know we get to a familiar passage in the Bible that you've read, that you know, that if you taught Sunday school, you've taught. So you don't have to read that. So you whip the phone out, minimize the Bible app. I, I know what we do, right? Try to get to the next level in your game. Check lunch menus. Get to the next level in your game while you're checking lunch menus. Texting somebody, I can't believe Pastor wore that today. Somebody's going, why is this old guy up there in jeans? I know what goes on, okay? I know what's going on. But let's not check out. Let's listen to this. And my prayer is as we go through these familiar passages, let's listen with fresh ears and an open heart. And you say, well, it's a Christmas season. Where's he going? Go to Luke chapter 2. Some of you are like, yes. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. You think? I'm sorry, I added that. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Manger. This is a familiar passage to those of us familiar with the Christmas story, but 
do you see? Where do you see a lamb? I know they're shepherds, but it's behold the lamb, not behold the shepherds. How does this connect with behold the lamb? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I always think of shepherds when I read the Bible or even when I don't. I don't think of shepherds of having any kind of glamorous job. You know, I think if that show, I don't know if it's still on, that Dirty Jobs show, I think Shepherd should be on there, right? Think about it, camping outside, especially in this season of history, on these hillsides near Bethlehem, which is actually in a very hilly area. It's not a flat area there. And shepherds are keeping the sheep from wolf attack, lion attack, poachers, right? It's dirty. Sheep are not the cleanest of animals, you know. I was going to say, how do you wash a sheep? Because don't they shrink? Doesn't wool shrink? when Anyway, but dirty animals like that. But that's not who these folks were. That's an accurate description of many shepherds. And scholars believe, though, that these weren't run-of-the-mill shepherds. It's believed that these shepherds had the responsibility of raising what was called the Passover lambs or the Paschal lambs. It was a tower there, Migdal Edar, and Edar means the tower of the flock. And if you go back into Genesis, you'll read about that. This was the tower just outside of Bethlehem, and it was the place where the watchtower of the flock was located. These special shepherds, it is believed, would take the firstborn of the flock. Here's how they handled that, this Paschal lamb, and I'll explain all that is in a minute. How they would keep this firstborn of the flock of the sin sacrifice offering to stop the newborn from injuring itself and to be without blemish, like we'll read in a few moments, was a requirement. They would take this lamb that was perfect, not marked up, not crippled, not sick. They would wrap it in, in those swaddling cloths, and they would usually lay them in a manger, someplace protective, until they were strong enough and ready to go to their mom. Thus, the sign of the firstborn son wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger was of special significance to these shepherds. Right? And these shepherds would share this incredible sign with others who could understand it. This paints a different mental picture for me. Instead of seeing these ragtag, dirty, smelly shepherds that were the dregs of society, you know, like you, there's nothing else you could do for a job, so okay, you get to go and, you know, you know what I'm saying? I was going to say they were good for mutton, but that would be a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> Rather than seeing that, we trying to find this newborn, I envision them knowing right where to go. Running immediately to this watchtower of the flock and gazing into the manger where they would typically see what's known as this paschal lamb in swaddling clothes. But on this night, they beheld the lamb of God, the promised lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What this shows to me something else too, and this might be a little sidebar here, in using the verbiage, I, I think to me, okay, let me just, if an angel appeared in the sky, first of all, I'd probably pass out. But, and if, once I came to and they said, hey, there's a baby just born. It's the Savior. Here's where it is. Go. That's really all I'd need. But then the angel using that wording. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, swaddled cloths, lying in a manger. That was their language. These shepherds knew what that was. 
they knew exactly who this was. And it tells me how God will use whatsoever to speak to us. He'll, he'll use what he knows we'll hear. God speaks and shows himself to us. He knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what's going to get our attention. I know personally for me growing up, I was always listening to, to music. Yes, it was on record albums. No, it wasn't on one of those crank things, lest some of you think that's what I had. Right? And had headphones that you would put on that covered your entire head. You know what I'm talking about. These things were like cans. And I'm seeing them coming back now. I'm like, really? You think that? My daughter said, oh, cool. These headphones fit over your ear. Really? You know? And then I had a, a cassette player. And if you don't know what that is, find somebody here with hair color like mine and ask them later. But I would, I would make up radio shows. I'd make my own radio shows. Thankfully, none of those tapes exist. Thankfully, all this happened before the invention of YouTube. <laughs> but it was music that God used to communicate to my heart. Right? The first place he called me was in Christian music radio. And being this, being this kid in New Jersey where there, all the Christian radio stations were just AM radio station preachers led me to this new radio station that just went on the air in Lancaster back in 85. And okay, now some of you are going, 1885? No, 1985. God knew, knows who he's talking to. He, he will do that with you. Where are you? Where do you work? What's your passion? God will often use your passion to get your attention and communicate to you. We just have to pay attention. This should make us look at the manger scene differently. Looking at the manger scene, knowing who these shepherds were and who we believed they were and what they saw in this manger, the exact instruction should make that manger scene look a little different. We had one of those as a kid. I think we all pretty much have one somewhere in our house. Sometimes it's a tree ornament. Sometimes it's multiple figurines. We had one as a kid. And, and keep in mind, I'm the youngest of six kids in a three-bedroom house. So we didn't, you know, nothing was overly fancy, but we loved it. So not understanding the value of stuff as a little kid, it was one of those major scenes where everything was glued down in it. But we learned also there's so a if you work hard enough, you can unglue down everything in there. And so my sister and I treated them like action figures. I don't recommend that. Okay. Not the baby in the manger. It's funny. We knew that was special, ironically enough. We, and besides, what kind of action figure is that? Right? And, and then the angel was on top of the manger. And you know, it says in the Bible, the angels were saying, Gloria, glory to God in the highest, which is Gloria in Excelsis Deo. So across the angel was a banner that said Gloria. So my sister and I figured the angel's name was Gloria. So we had all the action figures going ever. We just didn't understand. We did not understand. We knew it was special, but I didn't understand the significance. I saw a figurine of a baby but what I was really looking at was the one who would pay the price I owed so I could be with God forever. And boy, what a day when I realized that. What a day when that hit home for me. But what about these shepherds? And what is this Paschal lamb, and what does this have to do with Christmas? Once again, Rick, this is an Easter message. No. It's a message for all at all times. 
But what this Paschal lamb is, if you have your Bible, go to Exodus chapter 12. The verses will be up on the screen. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Keep in mind that this is a time where God's people were enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. So he's talking to people who were enslaved. But in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. According to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Here we go. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Skip over to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, God is speaking, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. As time went on, and that understand before I move on, how special this lamb is and the meaning it has to the people of Israel. As time went on, Israel continued to observe the Passover. The breeding and nurturing of these lambs became vital to the nation. Once again, these were not run-of-the-mill shepherds. These shepherds had a job much larger than just protecting the herd. For Israel, the very observance of this feast depended on them. Now you see how special these shepherds were and the lamb. If you're a note taker, there's four things about this lamb that I want you to grab a hold of. And the first one might seem kind of, once again, a throwaway point. I don't think it is. And the first one is the lamb was spotless. Now, personally, if, I think in my, you know, minimally capacity, minimal capacity brain would think, well, if you're going to have an, a lamb that's not going to make it to two weeks, you know what I mean? You're going to kill it. Why, why would you pick a good one? Like I would pick one that you don't want the gene pool to replicate. You know, one that's sick, one that I'm actually doing a favor, you know. But God says, no, the best. The best of the best. It's It's incredible. It would make sense to sacrifice a defective lamb, but that's not how God works. Look at Hebrews 4, 14 and 16, and how this, how this relates to the lamb of God. Seeing that, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. I wonder if you've thought about that lately. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. When we did the pop-up churches in Columbia, the theme was from that TV commercial you may have seen, that he gets us. That God understands. He's been tempted. He knows. He knows what it's like. 
If you study the life of Christ, you'll see that he faced both acceptance and rejection, reverence and criticism, honest testimony and false accusation, yet he did not sin. I can tell you, I, 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 that's not me. <laughs> as much as I love to tell you, I just can't. He is the spotless lamb of God. And our faithful high priest, that's huge. That is huge. The lamb had to be spotless so it couldn't be said that its death was the result of its own sin. The fact that the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, bore the weight of my sin so I could have a relationship with God and make it home, that is just far too wonderful for me to comprehend. I can't wrap my heart around that and my mind around that. I know as... as, as sometimes goofy and as, you know, whatever as I can come across. That is why I take this seriously because nothing is more important. And when you see what God did to make sure you make it home, just gigantic to me. The lamb was spotless. Second, this lamb was sanctified. That's a fancy word meaning set apart. Was set apart to declare holy. This was sanctified. Exodus 12, going back to verses uh, 5 and 6. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or goats. You should keep until the 14th day of the same month. It was important to separate the lambs because if they were in with the general population, there was a chance they could get injured, they could be defiled, something could happen to them. So it was very important that we separate this one. And that is a good example to us of the fact that the lamb was separate. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, you may have, but it may be one of those things in your, your faith that just became common. But in John chapter 17, you, we see an account where Jesus is praying. And there is a section of that where Jesus prays for his followers. Okay? And if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that would be you. And his prayer for his followers, for us, is as you, talking to God, as you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify, set apart, myself, so that they may also be sanctified by what? The truth. What this doesn't mean is when we come to Christ and he has set us apart in the truth, it doesn't mean that we can become, look down your nose at, arrogant, difficult to be around jerks, basically. It doesn't give us a license to do that. It should humble us. It should make us more in awe of him that he would look at flawed vessels and say, I love you, I want to use you. That still blows my mind. It's not about, it's not only about living a kingdom lifestyle, but it's one reason why Jesus set himself apart so as not to invalidate his teaching. And by kingdom lifestyle, I mean a lifestyle where you pray for people where you care for them, where you hold fast to teaching in, in the face of opposition on that, not, not out of arrogance, but out of surrender, as we sang this morning. Living a kingdom lifestyle. So these shepherds knew this was no ordinary baby for two reasons. One, the angelic announcement might have been a clue. You know, like I said, you think. Like, I know we've had folks in this church uh, recently been blessed with children, not one angelic announcement. Although you probably think your kid deserves it. <laughs> and you're like, but they do. Yeah. 
But two, the news that he would be wrapped in swaddling cloths just like the Paschal lambs they were raising. They knew. They knew this was just, there was more to this. The lamb was spotless. Behold the spotless lamb of God. Behold the set-apart lamb of God. Set apart as an example. Set apart for, I mean, probably two other sermons to get into that. Third, the lamb was sacrificed. Once again, Rick, this is not Easter. Hang in there. Don't limit your awe of God by the calendar. Don't let the calendar limit the wonder of it all. Go back to Exodus 12, 6. It says, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Do you know what this tells us? This tells us that as much as we don't want to admit it, that blood is necessary for salvation. The shedding of blood is necessary because of this sin problem that entered mankind in the garden. You know, that I know some people jokingly, you know, blame, well, see what women did? Well, Adam was silent. Or, you know what I'm saying? I put the blame on him, but we can talk about that later. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is not. Well, yeah, I know. I'm, I, I'm, I know. And sin means missing the mark. It means those things not of faith, those things not honoring to God, those things that nailed Jesus to the cross, those things. The wages of sin is not, let me try to balance the scale. Let me try to do a bunch of good stuff so I can make it into heaven. And I've had people, well, that's not fair. Well, we can talk about fairness of the cross if you'd like, but the sinless, spotless lamb of God taking on our mess. You want to talk fair. But what it shows us is the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is not other good stuff. Think about what you do for a living. Think about what you do every day. Some of you have more than one job. Think about your employment. What if your boss said, hey, you work... You work nine-hour days. You're working 50-hour weeks. You're, you're out there in the elements. And you know what? Your wages, I'm going to just tell you, you did such a great job. I'm going to buy you. I'm going to give you a company hat and a T-shirt. And I'm going to tell everybody, they're just so awesome. Man, they're great. They're the best worker. You may go, that's nice, but... I can't tell PP&L to take that for electric bills. My, my landlord won't accept that. The wages of my job is cash. It's just the wage it demands. The wages of sin is the shedding of blood. It's death. And we don't get to make those rules. You know, I heard one, I believe, I may be careful here. I think it was author Ed Lamont said that the main difference between God and you is God doesn't think he's you. <laughs> you know, God sets the rules. He's God and we're not. And the wages of sin is death. God is holy and sacrifice must be made to pay for the unholy, whether we like it or not. Under the old covenant, there was substitutional sacrifice. Under the new covenant, Jesus Christ, the spotless, set-apart Lamb of God, paid that price once for all. Yeah. Merry Christmas.
There are two biblical references that drive this point home. Romans uh, 3, 23 to 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by what? His grace through what? The redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. Through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Why? Because in his forbearance, his great mercy, grace, patience, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. I mean, you stop and chew on that for a minute. Stop and chew on that for a minute. It's good to stop and remember exactly what Jesus did for us. Not so you can kind of feel guilty, but so you can feel grateful. It's humbling. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. The lamb was spotless. The lamb was set apart. The lamb was sacrificed. And finally, the lamb is seated in Wow. Revelation 5.13. I mentioned earlier about how the shepherds got, you know, the angel saying something to them. Could you imagine being John, John the beloved, the one he refers to, the, the disciple that Jesus loved? Oh, sure, you write the gospel, and that's how you refer to yourself. <laughs> oh, the one God's favorite. No, anyway, he is exiled on the island of Patmos. And he gets the revelation of what's to come. I, I think he might, he might pass the angels in the hillside on this one. It says, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, meaning everything, everywhere. I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever, not to the king, not to the figurine in the manger scene, to the lamb. The value of sacrifice, the power of what happened. Last week we talked about Jesus being king. Today we talk about the lamb of God. Now I know this doesn't sound very Christmassy. This really doesn't. The very most I have on is Christmas socks. You can see them later if you want. Actually, you can see them now. They, they really just say, laughing all the way. Why not? They are my Christmas socks. I mean, I mentioned the manger and talked about it. I didn't talk about all the players that are in the manger scene, who they are, what they did. I do know that when you read about the wise men or the magi coming to see Jesus, he was probably about two years old, which means if you have the wise men in your manger scene, it's not right. So put him back in the bedroom, and every day move him a little closer. Come here, go, wait a minute, where's it say? You, you, you can read about that, where, where it is. Just go through the gospel. I'm, I'm making you read your Bible instead of taking another 20 minutes to try to explain it. I could probably explain it quicker, but those who know me know I can't explain much quickly. We don't have the Chris Manger scene. I don't have jingle bells up here. We're not talking about little drummer boys. We're not, I'm, it's, this doesn't sound Christmassy to anybody. But can you think of a greater gift? 
Can you think of a greater gift than the spotless lamb of God, than beholding the lamb of God who was sent to pay a price we can't to make sure that we make it home? It's just incredible to me. But why? Why? Why Why a lamb? Why a sacrifice? Was it because God was mad? Was it because God wants us to, you know? It went back to candle number two. What's behind door number two? Went behind candle number two. Remember? Love. How do we know this according to the word of God? Oh, another familiar passage of scripture. I was going to read it to you, but I think it's going to be powerful if we recite it together. And, and I want to encourage you, recite it like you mean it. John 3.16. Put it up there. Let's recite this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's do it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God is why. Why the lamb? You just read it. The love of God. Patrick, if you want to come up as we get ready to close. The greatest gift we can receive in the greatest part of Christmas isn't the lights, it's not the songs, it's not the Hallmark movies. <laughs> I know. I told Pastor Aaron back when I was pastoring, I was always tempted to do the Advent series and have the same three points in conclusion but use different Bible characters and call it the Hallmark movie series because we all know that's what they do. I know. I know. It irritates my wife. She'll want to watch one in like five minutes in. I'm calling the end. And one time there was a movie on it. She goes, well, we can't put it on. There's only five minutes left. I'm like, that's all you need. <laughs> it all comes together in five minutes. Right? But, we didn't... <laughs> but that's not the greatest part of Christmas. It's the fact that when we behold the Lamb, we behold a Savior. We behold the one who came to lead us home. We came, he came to walk among us and have a relationship with us and to show us the Father's love in the greatest way possible. And I don't know about you, but for me, that expression of love all but demands a response. Christmas is not supposed to be a time of stress and anxiety, but it is for so many, for so many reasons. But you know, it dawned on us, the only one who should be stressed and anxious at Christmas is the devil. When you look at the Christmas story, the only person who seemed to be freaked out was Herod. Not the ones bringing gifts. I don't think the three wise men, or we say three wise men. We don't know there were three. I'm gonna, somebody's going to, we don't know there were three. They brought three gifts. We don't see them going on an early Palestinian version of Amazon, or what they have called it, Nile. Think about it. Um, to order their gifts. We don't see them stressed. They were grateful. It was exciting. They ran to the king. It's not supposed to be that way for us. But this expression of love for me demands a response. 
It's a response that God Almighty wants to know you, wants to have a relationship with you. Did you ever think about the fact that Jesus is the only one who died to have a relationship with you? Gave his very life. And I will tell you, one, one of those things that stood out to me that I was just marveled by was, it would make human sense to me if God were to say, look, <laughs> my son became all your sin, wrongdoing, and and." If you read the, the account in, in the Bible of Easter and, and you look at historical accounts of what that process was like, went through that horrible. And for you, so you're going to be made perfect when you get to heaven. I'll see you there. You're, okay, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. And when you get to heaven, then I'll see you again. No. He wants to give us his spirit. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to... He wants us to pray more than we want to pray. He wants us to read our Bible so we get to know him better, not because we have some religious duty somewhere. He wants to have a relationship with us. It's beyond, all right, you're forgiven, but see me when you're perfect. It's you're forgiven and let me walk with you. Let me walk with you. Let Let me lift you up. It's just like Jesus to give us what we need when we need it, to give us the peace we need, the strength we need. And it's just awesome to me. It's that kind of relationship. That's the reason the lamb came. So when we behold the lamb, we behold the one who came to bring us home. We can all stand together. I can have members of the prayer team just come up. If you need prayer this morning, whether it's something that I said or just that you have a need. I just came and pastor, I just need someone to take some time and pray with me about anything. Feel free to just find one of these prayer partners who've been praying on their way here. And you know, they, this is a serious thing that they will just pray with you about anything you, that, that you may need. If you don't know Jesus personally and you want to know how that works, come up and talk to one of them. You know, any need that's even, like I said, it doesn't have to be message related. I pray this Christmas season is the year that you get that deeper understanding of what it means to behold the lamb and that you do what the shepherds did. And that's, we run to be with him. We run to see him like they ran to the major manger and saw him as God promised that you see him as your savior and your Lord. And you run to him daily as your king, that this is the season you behold the lamb. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word with these awesome people. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the lamb. And Father, I pray for for our hearts this morning, God, that, that we get a deeper understanding than we maybe thought we needed. That we look beyond the, the glitter of, of Christmas. But we realize this is an opportunity, Father, for us as we grow to know you better, for us to tell others that you're here. That they can make it home. That there's nothing they have done that you won't forgive. Father, I pray that this Christmas season, every reminder we see, every light we see turned on, every every ornament, every, every piece of decorations just reminds us about celebrating you this year, about being thankful for what you've provided and know that your love goes beyond our ability to understand it and 
comprehend it. We don't deserve it, yet we are loved. Jesus, I pray that as we go from this place today that we go loving you more, knowing you better. And that we would tell people about you. We would not view reaching people and telling others about what Christmas is really about so that we can put a notch on our Bible, but, but because you love that person far more than we ever could and that you want them to come home to. I pray blessing over this church, favor over your people. And as we go from here, we go about the kingdom's business in Jesus' name. And everybody said, no, I didn't wait. And everybody said, yeah, that's what I want to hear. Let's give God praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.